Now let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our scripture readings for today come from the New Revised Standard Version Bible. Our first reading for today comes from Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. And fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Our next reading for today comes from Hosea, chapter 11, verses 9 through 11. I will not execute my fierce anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim. For I am God and no mortal, the Holy One. In your midst, and I will not come in wrath. They shall go after the Lord who roars like a lion. When he roars, his children shall come trembling from the west. They shall come trembling like birds from Egypt and like doves from the land of Assyria. And I will return them to their homes, says the Lord. We continue our reading today. From 1 Timothy, chapter 6, verses 13 through 16. In the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep the commandment without spot or blame until the manifestation of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about at the right time. He, who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, It is he alone who has immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Our last reading for today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verses 23 through 26. But the hour is coming and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So for some of you, this might seem like an odd question. And this is a question that I've had more often than I imagined I would. I've had this talked about by other clergy even. So I figured I would address it here. I remember once, there was a question about... It was about language and about if you could use both male and female terms to describe God. I didn't think much about it when the discussion first came up. 
But then someone stood up and basically said, God has to be one or the other. You can't be both male and female. That's just not right. And I had clergy once say that you could never think of God as female because God was male. And I won't use the terms that they used to try to describe it, but it completely missed the mark. Because it missed a rather big point about God. And it surprised me as to how many people seemed to miss the point. I think some of the problems that we run into are barriers set by the limitation of language. English has this often. We have he or she to talk about people. We lack a specific non-gendered term. I can't tell you how many times, back when I was young, working in a fast food drive-thru, that we all wished there was an easy term that didn't specify he or she because of how often people got it wrong. I can't tell you the number of times that I have been referred to as her or ma'am on the phone. The language barrier here is that our language is gendered with no option outside of it as the default. And this fails us when we try to discuss someone as big as God. Because it can cause problems in the way that we understand God. Because we begin to let language dictate who God is. So I picked a selection of readings today to guide us through this discussion. We opened with Genesis chapter 1. And in that we have God say, Let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. The first thing to acknowledge about Genesis is that it is high poetry. It is some of the most beautiful poetry in the Bible. And if you read the creation story beginning in Genesis 1 as poetry you can understand the beauty of it. However, today we want to touch on what God's doing here. God has created all of humankind in God's image, which means that both male and female are the image of God. That humankind carries God's spiritual image imprinted upon them. 
And that raises some questions for us. What about God's physical image? How would we explain God's physical body? Does God have a physical body? Does God need a physical body? Is God limited by our material and physical existence? Or is God beyond all of those measures? The prophet Hosea helps us as we look at those questions. Because God is declaring he will not let his anger be executed against the people. For I am God and no mortal. The Holy One in your midst. Now, I chose this specific reading because of the very plain statement attributed to God by Hosea that reminds us that God isn't mortal. God isn't human because humans are mortal creatures. Humankind is made in the divine image but mortal all the same. And that's not God. If God's not mortal like us, then God's going to be beyond most of the physical descriptions that we understand. And we're again limited by language. This is further emphasized when we look at 1 Timothy. Here we find the words, It is he alone who has immortality and dwells in unapproachable light whom no one has ever seen or can see. Now this again is rather poetic language, but the idea here is one that's repeated in other places in the Bible. We are presented with the idea that no one has seen God and that God can be in places unreachable and unfathomable by man. God is something more. God is something beyond. And this is helped by our gospel reading. The short reading we have is from the longer exchange that Jesus has. And the part I wanted to highlight is the part of this conversation where we have Jesus saying that God is spirit, so you worship in spirit. And in this statement, Jesus again places God beyond our usual human limitations. That if God is spirit, God is something beyond us, beyond our physical bodies. It's just another way that God is beyond our physical existence. We hear other references, like this one, that God is love. God is light. God is not a mortal man. Who is like God? In short, God is not man. We hear it throughout Scripture when God is described. It's always so much bigger and further beyond anything we can fully describe. The thing that's pointed out over and over again is that our human limitations limit how much we can understand of God because we aren't God. 
no matter how much we may play at it, we still aren't God because God is so much more than our senses can comprehend. And what this means for our conversation today is that God is well beyond our simple human categorizations and constructs. God is not bound by human gender. If anything, God created gender. But God has no need of gender. Just as God would not have a need for human weight or even human form. Appearing as a burning bush or a whirlwind, as a pillar of flame. God is God. And no matter how cliche that may sound, that's the truth. Now, God is referred to often as He throughout the Bible. So, what are we to make of that? I've had some people point to that as proof that God is male. And I again point out the limitation of language. An easy explanation is that the Bible is written from a patriarchal viewpoint by men. So who would blame them for referring to God as he. I don't say that to detract from the Bible. Not at all. I'm just merely stating a truth that we really ought to know when we read the Bible. In a male-dominated society, are you going to refer to God as he or she? Which one conveys power? Which one conveys might? If everyone who is in charge in your society is he. Because if you're going to pick one, you're going to pick the one that matches the people in charge. If you ever notice in the Old Testament genealogies, the line is male to male to male to male. Women aren't mentioned. And that's just the way society was. But society doesn't dictate God. The thing is, though, is that people often depict God and Christ as looking not like the historical Christ would have looked, but looking like the society the artist came from. As one of my mentors once said, you get a lot of paintings of German Jesus. Why? I think it's because we like to make the connection to Christ looking like we do. 
because then he feels less foreign and much closer. And we do the same thing to God by giving God human terms. We talk about God's mighty arm. But does God really have an arm that reaches out to do things? If God is both visible and invisible, how do you describe God unless you use relatable terms? How do you describe the indescribable without figurative language? My point in all of this is that when the question comes up of, is God man? We would have to remember that God is God. Is God a male? No. Because God isn't human. What would the immortal creator of everything need a gender for? It's our human understanding that causes us to need those terms. Thinking of God's footstool or God's throne are images that we understand and can make sense of. They represent something to us. But it doesn't mean that God is an old man with white hair and a white beard sitting on a real throne. Could God choose to look that way? Sure. <laughs> I'm not going to be the guy to tell you what God is incapable of. Would God be limited to only one look? No. But it's okay to have that image. If that's the picture of God that you need, then have that picture of God. Because we've been doing that since the very first time that we imagined what God would look like. Scripture tells us that no one has truly seen God, so we don't have a physical description. If there is a physical description to be had, we can imagine what God looks like. We can imagine what Christ looks like. Is your picture of Jesus that of the European painters? That's okay. I'm here to tell you that is okay. Is your idea of God an old man dressed in white with a long beard? That's fine. If that's how you think of God, to be able to focus on God and relate to God, that's perfectly fine. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. But we also have to remember that God is well beyond our categorizations and God is well beyond our limitations. Because in the end, God is God, almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, beyond all things, the uncreated creator of all. Just don't confuse your personal image of God with who God truly is. Don't try to limit the way others view God because of the image you need. We may be created in God's image, but we are a shadow of that glory and greatness. 
we are but a hint of the full magnitude of that holiness. But God can be all things for all people. No matter what words we use to feel closer to God. Regardless of if we call God Father or Mother or Holy One, God will still be God. And God is always there for us to be that all in all. God's goodness and love are well beyond all that we could hope for. So that God in all his glory is all we need. Is God man? No. Because God is oh so much more. Amen.